We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not faint or grow weary. Prayer is a very important part of life, isn't it? For many of us, prayer is a lifeline. And we are very grateful for the opportunity that we have to approach God in prayer prayer on a regular basis. I think about the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3, when Peter said, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And so today, let's think about what our prayer life says about us. And I want to begin by saying that when you think about your personal prayer life, first and foremost, it says something about your faith. Faith is imperative in the context of Christian living, isn't it? And we talk about having faith in God. And one of the great people that I often think about in my life is Paul. Paul, as you well know, often called by many a spiritual giant. And Paul faced a lot of adversity and trial and tribulation in his life. And yet one of the things that stands out is the tremendous prayer life of this man. Paul would write to Timothy and he would say something about his faith in the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So as you think about your life, the time that you spend in prayer to God says something about the measure of your faith. In Luke 18, Jesus talks about the importance of a persistent prayer life. And you remember, Jesus raises this question in the context. When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? Our prayer life says something about our dependence upon the Lord, doesn't it? You know, when it's all said and done, either we fully depend upon the Lord or we don't. I think about the words of the psalmist in Psalm 34. The psalmist said many years ago, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then he said, Blessed is the man who trusts Him. There are a lot of blessings associated with trusting in God day in and day out. You remember Jeremiah said something many years ago. Jeremiah said, it is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. We don't have the ability to direct our steps here on planet earth on a regular basis, do we? Is it possible that we can pray to God and ask for direction and guidance in life? That we can trust what His Word has to say about how we ought to live in this world? Do you remember Solomon said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And what will He do? He will direct your paths. I think about God's Word. In Psalm 119, 
The psalmist said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. And so we pray to God for direction and guidance. And are there times in life when we need God's wisdom? Yes. James said, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. It's not possible for us to safely chart our course here on planet Earth. But we can pray to God, we can look to His Word for guidance and counsel, and we can find our way home. I mentioned a moment ago, not just direction in life, but dependence. The dependence that we have on God day in, day out. David was a man who trusted in God. And David recognized that life is sometimes filled with anxieties and heartaches and trials. In Psalm 56, David would say in the long ago, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Are there times in life when you too are facing uncharted waters, when you don't necessarily know where your life is headed, and you need God's direction, you need to learn to depend more fully upon Him? The answer is yes. And there is a correlation in our faith and our study of the Word of God, the time we spend in prayer to God, and our spiritual maturity. So first and foremost, when we talk about prayer and our personal prayer life, it says something about our faith in the Lord. But there's a second thing. It says something about our friendship with the Lord. The song that we sang just a moment ago, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. How blessed we are to have a friend in the Lord. Didn't Jesus say in John chapter 15 that you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you? The song that Billy led us in just a moment ago. I wrote a couple of the lyrics down because I thought, to me, they help to press the point regarding our friendship with the Lord. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. You know, as a Christian, we're not perfect, are we? There are times in life when we, when we fail miserably. There are instances in life when, quite frankly, we don't measure up, do we? Our goal is to live above sin, to live in such a way so that God is pleased with how we conduct ourselves here on planet Earth. But what about those times when we fall flat on our face? What about those times in life when we succumb to temptation? Is it not the case that we can go to God in prayer and that we can trust Him to forgive all of our sins, all of our faults in life? John said in the long ago, My little children, these things I write to you, that you sin not. But he said, If any man sins, let him know he has an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now back in verse 8 of chapter 1, 
John said, if we confess our sins, listen to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So are there times in life when as a child of God, I need forgiveness? Yes. Look, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus, would we? But to know that Jesus is our friend, and really the picture that is laid out in 1 John chapter 2 is Jesus functioning as our advocate. It is if He is standing before the bar of heaven. And as our attorney, He is pleading our case before the Father. The basis upon which we enjoy the forgiveness of sin is what? It's His blood. The blood of Christ makes a difference in our lives, doesn't it? How blessed we are to know that in Christ Jesus, and you know sometimes as a child of God, we'll make a mistake, we'll succumb to temptation, we'll do something, we'll say something, and then we reflect upon that, and it brings us a lot of pain and grief. Guilt. And to know that when we go before the throne of God, that God not only forgives our sins, but He holds it against us no longer. You remember the words of the Hebrew writer? I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, their sins and their iniquities I will remember. Listen to what he said, no more. God will never again bring up the past. That is a tremendous blessing that we have in Christ. And then listen to the other stanza. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. One of the beautiful things about being a friend with the Lord is to know that the Lord can help us when we are hurting in life. There are times in life when we struggle to make sense of what's going on in life. And there are occasions in life when literally we are dealt a set of circumstances that make it very difficult for us to navigate our way through choppy waters. And so we're looking for direction. We're looking for guidance. We have to depend upon the Lord. But to understand that we can, with a humble heart, go to the Lord when we're hurting. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Have you ever known somebody that was too proud to ask God, or rather, to ask somebody for help in life? You ever known anybody like that? There are some people that will suffer a lot of adversity in life, and they don't want to impose upon anyone, whether it's a friend or family member, because they're just too proud. Do you think it's possible that sometimes as Christians... We are too proud to ask God for help. Do you remember in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter said, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. In that context, he went on to say in verse 7, casting all your cares upon Him for He cares for you. Now look, you will never have another friend like the Lord. You will never have an ally 
like you have in the Lord Jesus. I promise you that. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter talks about our adversary. And our adversary is doing everything he can to disrupt and destroy our faith. He is anything but an ally. But to know that the Lord is our ally, and He will stand by us, He is for us. Do you remember David in Psalm 56 again? David said, this I know, God is for me. Is there somebody in my camp that I can count as a friend? Yes. Who is that friend? It's the Lord Jesus, isn't it? When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul may have had in mind some particular preliminary court appearance. And he said, at my first defense, no man stood with me. All men forsook me. I pray God that it won't be laid to their charge. But he followed that up by saying, but the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. It might be that we face trials and temptations in life. It might be that circumstances in our lives are beyond our control. We don't have the power or the know-how to deal with them. And we need an ally and to know that we can go to the Lord. Now you think about Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the writer pictures Him as our great high priest who can sympathize with us because He has been in our shoes, hasn't He? He understands what we're facing as members of the human family. And because He has been here and faced the struggles and trials of life, the encouragement is to look to Him. And in verse 16, He said that we are to boldly approach the throne of grace. That we might receive mercy and find grace to help, listen to what He said, in time of need. Jesus is our friend. Our prayer life says something about our faith in the Lord. It also says something about our friendship with the Lord. How close we are to Him. Sometimes in life, maybe we have an inner circle of friends. Many of us, we have many friends, but then there are those very special friends. So that inner circle, what do we do? Sometimes we confide in them, we ask for advice and counsel, help, encouragement. To let the Lord into that inner circle. To count Him as a friend and to look to Him. To understand that prayer is the gateway to the very throne of God. As David said in Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord, and what will He do? He will sustain you. There's a third thing I would share with you. Our prayer life says something about our family in the Lord. We are blessed to have a church family, aren't we? For some people... Members of the church are closer than biological relatives. Look at the life of Paul. 
Paul came out of Judaism, became a great servant of God. And Paul had a great host of friends, didn't he? And wouldn't you say that as a child of God, those friends were family members? John said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God or the sons of God. God is our heavenly Father. The Lord Jesus is our brother. And Paul would say that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are a part of a divine family. As you explore the life of Paul, it is abundantly clear Paul spent a lot of time on his knees praying for his church family. Why do you think he did that? I think because he loved them. If you read Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, Paul would talk about his prayer life on their behalf and how grateful he was for their fellowship in the gospel. When he wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he talked about how often he brought their names before the throne of God. And he reminded them of their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope in the Lord Jesus. I can just imagine Paul lifting the names of those that he loved and served with up to the Father. Can we not do that for one another? Do we not have the opportunity to bow in prayer for other people? And you think about your own family. Don't you spend a lot of time in prayer to God for your own biological family? Well, the answer is yes. So what about spending time, and isn't it encouraging to know that there are other people in the body of Christ that are lifting your name up to the Father? I mentioned last week Jesus in Luke 22, before He went to the cross. And He was saying to Simon and the other apostles that Satan wanted to sift them as wheat. He wanted to lay claim to them. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. As a child of God, you can go before the throne of God and pray for people that you love. Now, here's another thought. The family relationship that we enjoy in Christ affords us the opportunity. We can pray for others, but we can request that others pray for us, can't we? When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he said, brethren, pray for us. That's intriguing to me. Because when I look at the life of Paul, I often think about somebody who was one of the great spiritual giants of the church. And you think about, here's the Apostle Paul. He is a man that has been endowed by God to be an apostle. He is a very prolific writer, penning some 13 books in the New Testament. And yet Paul was not too proud to ask other members of the body of Christ to pray for him. When you're facing dark times in life and troublesome times, 
And maybe when life hasn't gone necessarily as planned, and you ask somebody very close to you, will you pray for me? Does it not encourage you? When somebody comes back and they say to you, I've been praying for you. I have been lifting your name up before the throne of God. It is incredibly encouraging. There are times in life when if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in what sometimes we call dark places. And sometimes we get down in that dark hole, so to speak, and we have trouble dealing with the anxieties of life. And we've got so many things pulling at us. And what we need are people who will lift our name up to God in prayer. It's encouraging. There is a fourth thing I would share with you. Our prayer life says something about our faith in the Lord. It says something about our friendship with the Lord. And yes, it says something about our family in the Lord. But it also says something about our future with the Lord. How many of you have heard the expression, home is where the heart is? Ever heard that? Just something special about home, isn't there? I had the privilege of growing up in East Tennessee. And I have a lot of fond memories of home. And there are times in my mind that I will take a mental journey backward in time to home. And I can reflect upon all the time that we as a family had together in the little house that we called home. A couple of years ago when I was in Jamaica, Jared Jackson accompanied us on that trip. And after about a day or two, I came to the breakfast table and Jared knew what I was thinking. And what I was thinking was simply this, I just want to go home. And he said, you don't think so bad about John Mark now, do you? You remember John Mark, he bailed on the Apostle Paul? I was ready to go home. And the Bible tells us this earth is not our home, is it? The Bible pictures us as strangers or sojourners or pilgrims. We're simply passing through. I know that we have a place that we call home. Here. It's a special place, isn't it? No place like home. When I travel, when I've been away for an extended period of time, all I want to do is go home. I want to be in my familiar surroundings. I want to sleep in my bed. I want to take a shower in my shower. You know what I'm talking about. Well, Here's the point. We all have another place called home, don't we? Didn't Paul say, our citizenship is in heaven, whence also we wait for a Savior? When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, 
Paul said, for to me to live is Christ. To die is gain in verse 21. In verse 23, he said, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Six years later, Paul wrote to Timothy, his son in the faith, and Paul was looking death in the face. It was imminent. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. Paul had voiced his desire to go home and be with the Lord years earlier. And now he is on the cusp of leaving this world, of saying goodbye, and stepping out into eternity. And to know that as a child of God, we have a place that we can call home. And it's waiting on us. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be in the very presence of the Lord. To be surrounded by the Lord and His people. One day life as we know it's going to end. We're going to say goodbye to people that we've known and loved for a long time, whether they be friends or family members. We're going to say our goodbyes just as Paul did. But the thing that strikes me about the Apostle Paul is that he could say, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now we talk about heaven a lot, don't we? And we sing about it from week to week as we come together to worship. And we have read a lot about heaven. We have prayed about heaven. And to know that one day we we will cross the Jordan, so to speak, to be in the presence of God. And we'll be in that place that is described by Peter as incorruptible, undefiled. He said it fades not away, and it's reserved in heaven for you. Do you remember in Hebrews chapter 11, The writer talked about those people who were looking for a city which had foundations. He said, whose builder and maker is God. He would go on to say that they desire a better country. Is there a better place? Yes, there is. There is a better place. That better place is called heaven. And so as we think about our prayer life, how often in our prayers to God, Do we express to Him our gratitude for that home that awaits us? You know, right now, we have the hope of heaven, don't we? And that hope is not, think so, maybe so, but rather it's grounded in truth. So one day that hope will become reality. What a beautiful day that will be. So our prayer life says something about us. It says something about our future with the Lord. Because one day we're going home and we'll be with God. We'll be in the presence of the Lamb. And we will be with people of like faith that have served God faithfully day in and day out. There have been a lot of folks that I've known down through the years 
They've already crossed over to the other side. And I have news for you. I want to be with them. I look forward to seeing them. Now you think about having the opportunity to spend eternity with your mother or your father or your son or your daughter, your husband, your wife, with your friends. Let me tell you what, heaven is a special place. It is prepared for special people. We're God's special people, aren't we? Today, if you're not a Christian, my encouragement to you is to come to Christ. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, and you would willingly walk away from a life of sin through repentance, confess the name of Christ, be buried with Him in baptism, you can enjoy you can enjoy forgiveness of sins and you can live in hope of life eternal. If you're here today as a child of God, I want to remind you of what James said. Pray one for another. We have the opportunity to pray with you, to pray for you. And the assurance is that God will hear our prayers and that if there are things that are amiss in your life, God will forgive you of those things. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love